Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruitments, presented by Sooners360.com. Each and every week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting, including offers, evaluations, schedules, opinions, and more. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. What is up, everybody? Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the 360 Recruiting Podcast, presented by Sooners 360. I'm your host, Matt, joined as usual by my co-host, Chris Mason, our lead recruiting analyst at Sooners 360, and Caleb Cummings, a.k.a. Mr. Sooner 55, the 360 film guru. Before we get to the show, just a reminder to subscribe to the 360 Recruiting Podcast on your favorite platform of choice. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. And thank you for joining us for this episode, episode number 25. We are calling this one, One Snap, Goodbye Columbus. And as usual, I'll turn it over here to Chris for this segment covering the latest recruiting news of the week. Hey, Matt. So obviously the, the biggest news in the last sort of seven days is Michael Hawkins verbally committed to OU. We covered that on our weekend show that went up on on Saturday, Sunday last week. So if you want to listen to that in greater detail, uh, please feel free to download and listen to that episode. You can subscribe to our to our to our channel to our podcast in the in the methods Matt described. And it's the it's episode twenty four, and we really focused heavily on Mike Hawkins there. So I'm not going to go over that with any. Not going to rehash all of that uh, in this episode. Just that OU has Mike Hawkins. Uh, it was a big verbal commit uh, for the Sooners, and he's now on he's now on board. So there's a couple of the pieces of other recruiting news out there uh, in terms of quarterback related to the quarterback position. Uh, Samaj Jones hasn't made any changes to his official visit schedule so far, so it looks like he he's seen that OU got Michael Hawkins, and he's still proceeding. He's not making any changes. It looks like the the two quarterback approach that we have been discussing on the show the last couple of weeks is, is still in process. And then it's kind of strange. Um, Michael Van Buren, the, the really talented quarterback from the DC area who has been heavily leaning, I, I think to either Oregon or Penn state, depending upon who you talk to, he's, he's talking about coming to the spring game 
uh, OU spring game next week. I, I'm, I'm kind of dubious as to whether that will actually occur, but uh, he is he is right now telling uh, national recruiting guys that he's he's planning on taking that trip. And then the, I think perhaps the biggest QB news that we should have next week, hopefully, is um, this weekend there is a Elite 11 camp in Austin, and this is one of the regional camps where quarterbacks from around the country come. They, they work out at the camp, and they are eligible to be selected to join the Elite 11 event out in California. They have every, I think it's July and this is the this is the Texas regional event. I think last year it was uh, it was in the Dallas area. This year it's in Austin, and uh, I believe Mike Hawkins should be at that event. He's been going to every event he can this spring to uh, kind of you know seven on seven camps. So I'd imagine he's going to be at that event, and it's kind of a huge milestone for his uh, future rankings. If he's able to win an invite uh, to Elite Eleven. That'll be a huge indicator that his spring uh, improvement plan is has been successful. So we'll keep an eye out for that. And I'm going to actually hopefully talk to somebody who's going to be at the event. So see if we can get a little better impression of how Mike looked. And, and real quick, do you, do you know some other quarterbacks that might be down there competing with Hawkins? I would imagine DJ Lagway the top 50 quarterback uh, from Texas who's verbal to Florida probably will be there. Uh, UT's verbal commitment, their quarterback commitment, uh, Owens, last name's Owens, should be at the event. Wouldn't surprise me if uh, Walker White, uh, the quarterback from Arkansas, who I believe is an Auburn verbal, um, I'd imagine that this is probably the event he might choose. Um, and But it doesn't really, you're not, any quarterback could show up. So somebody from the somebody who didn't qualify from at either the the LA event or the Florida event that the that have that have previously occurred, they could show up uh, in Austin and sort of re attempt to requalify for Elite Eleven. So it, it could be a it could be a Texas only quarterbacks, or it could be you know sort of the bigger region of quarterbacks, and that could bring in some very interesting names uh, to compete with Mike. Well, you mentioned showing up. Uh, we're about 10 days out from the spring game event next Saturday. Um, we're going to start tracking more and more starting next week. But, Chris, do you have a few names that uh, Sooner fans should be excited about that you know are going to be there? Well, I think the first the first three names are, are Texas-based players that we believe will be at the Texas event. The first one is Casey Poe the offensive guard from Lindale, Texas. And if you listen to our last podcast, you know that Caleb and I are big fans of Mr. Poe at the offensive guard position. So Caleb, I think it's a really good sign that he he's going to be at the spring game because he's been making travels around everywhere else since the last time he, he was in Norman. So uh, I was happy to hear Casey's going to be there. And then I believe Caden Durham is going to be there. He just recently announced he's not going to go to Coach Prime's Colorado blowout spring extravaganza. So I think he's ditching that event, and I think he's going to be in Norman as well. He hasn't quite confirmed that to the press, but that's that's sort of where the breadcrumbs are leaning. And then the last guy who definitely seems like he's going to be uh, on campus for the spring game is uh, defensive end from Conroe, Texas, Joseph Janai Ajanye. And he's really moving up the recruiting rankings 
wouldn't surprise me if he's not somewhere in the top 75 range before everything's done. And he's a, he and Williams Winery would be a, would be an awesome bookend uh, pair of pass rushers. So those three guys from Texas, again, I mentioned Michael Van Buren. Um, I'll be sort of confused if he does show up, but maybe he will, maybe he's going to, maybe he wants to, he's, he wants to be part of this two quarterback class and he's fine with that. But um, like the, the tea leaves seem to indicate Penn state and Oregon. So I'm, I'm a little, I would be a little confused as to why he's flying out on his own dime to, to come to Norman. Uh, and then the last thing is a new name that we've thrown around a little bit um, is Nick Marsh. He's a top 100 wide receiver from the Detroit area. And he's 6'3", about 200 pounds, really good looking wide receiver. And right now it looks like he's, he's going to come down uh, for the spring game. And, and I think if he does, I think OU probably will try and move towards setting up an official visit with him. Well, that all seems to be positive news. Uh, but you can't have positive news in all recruiting. Uh, we did receive some bad news. Chris, what happened with the Peyton Pierce recruitment? That's a great question. Um, I think a lot of Sooner fans are kind of wondering that as well. We had been, we'd, we'd referenced that there were some crystal balls to Ohio State falling, coming in recently. We kind of thought, well, he's going to take his recruitment out to the summer. So not that big a deal, but he went ahead and, verbally committed to Ohio State. Uh, he had a very close relationship with former uh, Notre Dame linebacker coach, James Laurinaitis. And James Laurinaitis moved to Ohio State. So that kind of gave Ohio State a big bump. And uh, Laurinaitis appears to be a really good recruiter. Um, but overall, I'm kind of wondering if this is not really the first sign that maybe OU's on the field problems last year, the the six and seven record. Um, I'm wondering if this is maybe not the first sign that that record is kind of hanging around OU's neck and hurting OU's recruiting. Because I think Ohio State probably was able to heavily sell that, you know, they don't have, if there's a program in the country that doesn't really have down, down spots, it's Ohio State. So, you know, they they really haven't had a, bad season in i don't know 20 years 25 years maybe so they've just been super consistent yeah don't you think Kelly? i mean i, I kind of just wonder if that's the that's kind of the laurenitis had the relationship <clears throat> and then and then ohio state just pitched out like well you don't know if oklahoma's gonna be back we're never we're never we're never have to be back because we never fall off do you think that what do you think yeah. Caleb? i probably i and it's a that was an interesting one because he had visited Norman a bunch. So I yeah, like someone, everyone thought he was, everyone thought he was going to Norman. I, there was crystal balls and forecasts all to Norman. Way. I wonder, so two parts, right? So my, my two thoughts here, one, I do think some, you're exactly right. And part of that where like just perception becomes some sort of reality where Look, Ohio State's been really great. They've been really great post-Urban Meyer because of offense. Their defense has been on par. It's been oddly – I would say it's been probably worse. the talent. It's been, yeah, it's, I would say – I was going to say – I was going to say I would, I would say it was been, it's been worse than what Oklahoma's put on the field because of the talent, because their defense has had nothing but top 100, top 250 kids, and they've been showing up, and people like Maryland have just been running through them. 
you know, uh, they, that's why they went out and they hired Knowles away from Oklahoma State. So that's interesting. Uh, and I don't know why I feel this way. I just wondered because uh, it did not seem like Oklahoma had any sense of urgency with Pey- with Peyton Pierce. Though in fairness, it doesn't seem they have a sense of urgency with any recruit. Uh, they just, you know, keep going along very like workmanlike with everyone. But I, I've wondered if they just looked at it and said, you know, we really think we can get Sammy Brown or we think if we don't get Sammy Brown, we're going to get Braden Platt. And so, yeah, we'll, know, get a, it, we'll go into those guys a little bit later, but yeah, I've just, it's, I've just, I've just wondered if there, if there was some of that or even Lockhart where they looked at it and said, gosh, yeah. you know what? We've got four guys who we would rank in the same vicinity, three of them, yeah. maybe we've got above Pierce. So let's not go crazy and push really hard and try to sell and do anything, you know, let Ohio state go all out and get them. And then, you know, to your point, if the rumors you hear of him being a big Oklahoma guy growing up, always wanting to play for Brent Venables, if all that's true, there's still that thing hanging over it with bit Oklahoma in the ass last year with Colton Bassick, you know, is Texas didn't have a great year, but for a certain period of time in this season, the hype train was rolling, and it was enough after they beat Oklahoma for Vasek to say, I- I'm just going to go to Texas. And so you wonder, if Oklahoma comes out and just starts rolling, does he look at it and say, you know what, that's always where I want him to be. I know I've liked Ohio State, but I just can't see myself, you know, not playing in Oklahoma jersey. So I would just say there's a lot of, a, lot of the race is, is yet to be run as it relates to inside linebacker recruiting. Yeah, and Ohio State, Matt, Ohio State's known kind of for a really effective, heavy, early sell process in recruiting. Um, Back in the COVID year, they managed to, like, bum rush a bunch of kids onto campus before everything shut down, got official visits in early, and were able to hold on to leads. So uh, Ohio State usually pushes these kids, and they don't always always hold on to them. They lost a couple of kids last year. So I think this is really – well, I think you kind of just, well, I think OU maybe is, is going to look at their other backers, see where they are, see if they can convince Peyton to come up for a visit or come up for the barbecue event and, and just see where they are, where they, they but to, to um, Caleb's point, they weren't really like pushing to like, Hey, can you wait? Can you at least give us a, a spring game visit? Can you, can you come up March 25th? We know that you're thinking of verbaling. Can you come back? Can you come back up? So it, it didn't seem like there was any push going on from OU um, with this. So maybe they're just going to sit back and just let everything cool down and uh, and, and go from there. So, but it, I'm not going to deny it. it's a big blow. I've had this guy in my predictions for the last the last four predictions I've made, and all, all, all OU sites sort of thought that he was going to be part of the linebacker class. So it, it really it really signals kind of like okay, who are the linebackers going to be and and we're gonna, we've got a segment coming up on that in just a bit. Yeah, and it seems like a big blow, but uh, we're just over eight months out from signing day. Pierce is a DFW prospect uh, from just down the road. So there is some time if some of these backup or primary options do fall through, perhaps they can open that door up again. Uh, but we will talk about those prospects here in a little bit. Chris... Recently, uh, we had a, a major platform update their recruiting rankings. Uh, this time it was ESPN. Uh, they, I believe they do not update their recruit 
rankings as often as some of these other outfits do, but it is ESPN. They did update everything. What are some of the highlights and lowlights from uh, what ESPN just recently put out? Well, the biggest jump I think of probably anybody realistically is Bryant Wesco, the wide receiver uh, that we've been tracking on this podcast for a while and have been noting that he's just vaulting up the rankings. He jumped up to number 23 in the nation from um, 192. So he jumped up, you know, 170 spots and he's now basically a five-star on ESPN. So he's a five-star on ESPN. He's a five-star on on three and he's a five-star on two, four, seven. So he's probably going to be a composite five-star the next time uh, two, four, seven updates their their composite stuff. So only rivals has him ranked outside of the top 30 at this point. Uh, not a big surprise. Williams, Winery moved from fringe five-star territory at number 30 up to the number 10 player in the nation. He's now a five-star pretty much on every service. Uh, and then a player we talked about last week that I know Caleb really likes. So Caleb Grant Bricks moved up to top 100 in the country from being just a generic three-star player. And it, he should have. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> I, I keep going back to when I watch his film, he just looks, you know, like the type of guy that would be on track, I mean, you know, to be playing in the NFL, right? He just looks like a one of the guys that is two-time All-Big Ten offensive line, you know, first team. That He's just 6'6", 290. He's going to be 6'5", 6'6", 315, lean, and mean, athletic. Uh, and as I think it sticks out with, you know, for him, right, it, to me is just how – how well he moves and uh, how well he finishes. I'm a big fan of the guy. I think he, you know, I think there's a couple of the guys he plays in a really very run heavy offense. So he'll, he'll have to, you know, whether he's inside or out, you know, just continue to work on uh, his pass sets. But, you know, when you're long like that and you've got really good feet and you're athletic and you've got good body control, uh, you know, it, I think that's just, that's that's why Bill Bedenbo is one of the best in the country. You know, you know, assuming he can end up a place like Oklahoma, uh, but you know, Grant's talented enough that kid will probably be successful wherever he lands. Yeah, and then I kind of kind of surprised Nigel Smith, the the big defensive end from Melissa, Texas. He dropped from fifty eight to one hundred seven. So ESPN's taking the same sort of track that on three has uh, with Nigel. We just talked to Nigel. Uh, last uh last week did an interview with him that you can find on you can find on youtube so i was a little su- little surprised by that nigel had such a great senior junior year i'm not quite sure why he's dropping so that's a little bit of a mystery to me but the other one that really i think sort of baffled me is hayden durham dropped 20 spots and uh all he's doing is is running elite 100 meter times um track times this this spring so it's just and he and he's, he had like 1,900 yards rushing last year. I'm just I don't know how you drop Durham 20 spots. I mean, hold him sure, but dropping him 20 spots it just seems a little bizarre to me. Yeah, so the Durham one makes no sense whatsoever. He is going. He's already getting track scholarships to you know some of the better track programs in the country. To your point, he's if he wanted to go focus on track, he's uh, you know he's a junior Olympian. He's got, he's got potential, you know, that he's world-class speed. 
is just the, the easiest way to say that. Just unbelievable to barely be into his, his senior year track season, you know, maybe 20% of the way through running 10-4 over and over and over. It, I say his senior year. I'm sorry. It's his junior year. His junior track season. His junior track season. He's running, I think it was a 10-4-1 is his fastest time. Yeah. Yeah. I would bet he runs sub 10-4, you know, as a junior. Uh, and, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's got a chance to run like 10 to 10 twos by the time he graduates and leaves uh, you know, Duncanville. And that's yeah, maybe the concern for ESPN is, ah, oh, he's going to go and try to, you know, run track and try to make the Olympics. I don't know. That's an odd one. Uh, I will say Nigel, uh, Nigel Smith. It does make sense to me. Uh, I, I, I really like him a ton as a prospect. I, the only, like, I guess, concern I have is, and it's not a concern because, you know, Again, it's I would say try to keep it in context of understanding when you're rated as a top 50 player or a top 60 player, you're thinking about someone that's got the potential to be, you know, first, second, third round draft pick, you know, in, in three years, in four years. But with Nigel, the only thing I run into and wanting to kind of wish I could see him maybe is he feels a bit of a tweener, right, between is he going to be – is he really athletic enough to play edge in a four down, right? Is he, is he, does he have enough burst off the edge? Does he have enough twitch to his game to play again, you know, a little bit more in space where you've got to be a great athlete. And so on the flip side of that is, does he have the strength and the girth and really the mentality in the mean and nasty you need to play inside? Right. You can't you can't try to be a finesse guy inside all the time. It definitely works in situations, you know, when you're running stunts or twists or it's just a, you know, a NASCAR package where it's rush the quarterback. You can that works a little bit better, you know, but when you're <laughs> when you're, uh, you know, you're playing defensive tackle, whether it's in the SEC or even the Big 12 now and you're fighting double teams, in the garden tackle and in working those combo blocks, you, you've got to you've got to be strong. You've got to be able to hold up. You've got to have good pad level and, and you know, you've got to be a tough guy inside. And so I, I just wonder, like, where does he fall in that? Or is he a tweener in both areas? Not quite elite athlete, maybe not quite strong enough, uh, tough enough uh, inside. So I, I just I can see him with the rise of some other guys, you know, with, like you mentioned, you know, Joseph, uh, Jonah, uh, like he's, that kid's a stud, you know, I, I you see, like, I, I do see a little bit more twitch with him. He really can get up the field and he's already 255. Uh, so in that same size, it's, uh, they grow them different these days for defensive linemen. That's for sure. Or at least Oklahoma's recruiting different kids than they have in the past. Cause there's a lot of six, five, Six four, six six, two fifty, two sixty. Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting point. We when I talked to Nigel, he was obviously very interested in playing defensive end, but he was also like, "Well, I can also move inside. I'm pretty flexible about what I can do." So uh, it was interesting. He was already kind of viewing himself as kind of being a flex defensive lineman, depending upon scheme and down and distance. So. Um, and I could really see that with him, you know, where he is maybe more of a strong side defensive end, you know, on, on uh, early downs. And then when you get into third and long, you, you kick him into the three. And I think he's perfectly built like his skill set and everything for that. And then I can, at the same time, I can, I can understand a drop to around 100 because, you know, it would just come back to round to saying, okay, well, you know, there's some other guys maybe that uh, just have moved up a little bit more. 
And and you mentioned maybe kind of by default, which could explain also Caden Durham's, you know, maybe, maybe they're waiting to see some senior film to see if he's gotten a little bit bigger because Durham is a little bit on the smaller side, especially relative to the other OU running back offers. So that could just be a by default thing for now. Um, you know, prove that speed again on film. I don't know why he would need to do that, but uh, maybe he can he can prove he can be a little bit more physical and maybe we'll see Durham head back up in the rankings. Maybe we'll see Nigel Smith head back up in the rankings with a step up uh, in his senior film. Um, a couple guys that will be looking for their senior film and to see how OE responds. Uh, we mentioned it a little bit earlier. Obviously, Peyton Pierce commits to Ohio State. Um, OU has three or more great options to fill in that Mike spot. Um, Caleb, I know you really like the, the recent visitor to OU. Uh, Braden Platt was just in Norman uh, out of uh, Washington. Uh, what are your thoughts on Platt, I guess, relative to Peyton Pierce? Relative to Peyton Pierce, I kind of knock a little bit out with both my feelings with on both uh Braden Platt and Sammy Brown. I think they're probably one and two with Brown and then Platt uh inside linebackers in the country. Uh, so you you basically have Sammy Brown and Braden Platt both above Peyton Pierce on your board. Yeah. Yeah, when it when it when it came down to Pierce was go, going to announce, you know, I went and I know he was he was dinged up as a junior, but his you know his sophomore film was really good, so I went and watched his sophomore film. I'm sorry, his junior film and just you kind of, it doesn't, not so much a highlight. It's you've got to watch the individual games and they play some good competition and watched it. And he's a fantastic player and he's really good, but <laughs> I don't want to use this term, uh, but like Braden Platt is just a, a souped up version. He's bigger, thicker, stronger, faster, more explosive, more violent, better top end speed, better acceleration. It's like basically everything you would walk down from a physical standpoint Platt is clearly the superior guy in those areas. You know, like when he's, when he's hitting guys, it's some of it's, I'm, I don't, I know he plays good competition. So I know it's not him just hitting a really small kid, but he's just violent. You know, he is violent and uh, in at fullback, you see an acceleration and a speed that uh, I will say going into just watching the two, the guys film over again, I had the perception that, uh, that uh, well, the kid is committed to Ohio State, right? That that uh, the Peyton Pierce was gonna be the better athlete, was gonna be the guy that I'd watch and say, okay, he moves better laterally, he's got better short area quickness, he's better in these areas than Platt, and Platt's maybe a bigger, thicker, more of a thumper. Uh, and I, Platt is a bigger, thicker, and a thumper. But you come away saying, no, gosh, you know, I mean. Platt's faster too, and he got better acceleration. He's got better quickness, better explosion. He's, uh, I think, two four seven of all the places that have him ranked has him about right. Where he's, you know, a top ninety, I think, player in the country on two four seven. He's, he's a, he's a really, he's a really good player. And to your, you know, is your point? Is your point? You know, uh, the pictures of him, uh, whether it's you know some of the stuff Chris included of just at post workout you know, or from his time in Norman with his, with the Sooner jersey on. I mean, if he, if he threw that thing on and, and read out there and stood next to Kobe McKenzie and Stutzman and Canuck and all those guys, you'd say, yeah, this was like a third or fourth year player, you know, and he's going, he hasn't finished his junior year of high school yet. Yeah. I think Sammy Brown is 
is maybe the is the best alternative yeah. to Pierce. But agree. he's also but he's the toughest pull. I mean, getting him away from getting him away from uh Georgia and Clemson is just an amazing pull. Whereas Platt seems open and we don't really have an idea of, of a favorite. So it looks like OU has more of a chance to build up a relationship and maybe uh maybe a lead there in terms of you know playing at playing for Brent Venables, you know being the number one linebacker for Brent Venables and that selling that relationship to Platt probably has maybe a little more weight. Sammy Brown has all those connections. It's just trying to beat Clemson in Georgia for a kid who lives 30 miles South of Athens is just, it's just, it's a tough, tough path, but I do think in Jordan Lockhart, OU's got a really great alternative there too. Uh, he's from St. John Bosco. He's 6'3", 230. He's been dominating camps this summer, playing the Mike linebacker position, you know, eating up, eating up tight ends and wide, and running backs and passing drills and just hitting folks. So I think OU's got options. And Lockhart, you know, obviously came in with his teammates. and OU made a big impression. So trying to set up an official visit soon for the summer. I think they'll probably try and target that big weekend. Uh, we know Sammy Brown's already coming in the weekend after. So, you know, it would be interesting to see if where Plant and Lockhart fall uh, if they're able to, when they start scheduling, if they start scheduling OU official visits. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a really big fan of Lockhart. You know, I you touched on the point of him coming from Bosco and you can just see, uh, he, I think he's got a extremely high floor, right? Uh he just he's a really good football player he's obviously he's i saw some things on his social media today he's really built himself up physically from he was a skinny kid i think as a as a younger kid in junior high and and uh you know kind of preteen. and he's yeah he said all of six three 230 pounds and just uh he's right there i mean i i couldn't say that i couldn't I would have thought coming out of uh, Pierce's sophomore year that I would say Pierce is the superior to Lockhart, uh, you know, but just yeah, watching the, the both kids junior film, you know, it's, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't say, I couldn't say that. Although I, so here's one for you, Chris, I'm curious on, and I do not, I want to avoid talking myself into thinking Oklahoma has any real shot at Sammy Brown and avoid talking, <laughs> avoiding anyone else getting confused and thinking, oh, Caleb thinks they've got a shot. They've got a shot. But I have a, this, I just find this interesting. All right. Everybody you talk to, everything you see, a lot of everybody says if Brent Venables was still at Clemson, Sammy Brown would be a Clemson Tiger right now, that he'd be committed to Clemson right now. And the other thing is going into these visits, he had Ohio state scheduled for his official visit the weekend of Oklahoma, like the 16th, right? The third weekend, yeah. third week in June coming out of it. He said, I, I saw an interview. He said, he's probably going to move that Ohio state visit to the next weekend and kick Oklahoma to that weekend and show up for to that the big, for the big weekend. Okay. For the big weekend. And so I just, I found myself going like, gosh, Part of me, yeah. I look at him and I say, he doesn't really, okay, just you watch what the types of kids, right? Like who does. He's not Georgia, a fit for Georgia. He's not a fit it's for not, Georgia as well. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like just from a, like a, again, a cultural fit, right? Sammy Brown doesn't seem to fit Georgia 
as well as all the other guys they brought in. He's a really good fit for Clemson, which you'd think of Clemson with Venables there, which he's no longer there. I think that's why everybody said he'd already be a Tiger if, if Venables was still there. But Venables is in Norman. So I'm just really – I'm curious. I'd love to – I'd love to have like a one-on-one convo with Brent and say like, hey, this is off the record. Like, what do you think here? Because he's been recruiting the kid for years and years. Uh, I'd just be curious if he, you know, if he looked at you and said, no, I, th- I think we've got a really good shot. I think we can get him. Uh, I, you know, I'd look at him and say, I think you're full of shit. But uh, <laughs> well, maybe the thing that ki- The thing that killed me was – was that's killing me is and i'm like trying i'm walking off that ledge too because i'm like no we're not getting sammy brown come on is right is is when he when he when he showed up in the 44 the bosworth like the yeah you know the the gold standard of super aggressive mike linebackers who who dominate who dominate college football right you know the double Butkus. I mean, they basically created the Butkus Award for Bosworth, and he won it yeah. both for both years, um, sort of in that line. And he's wearing that forty-four jersey. He's sporting got a, that mullet. He's sporting the '80s mullet. And then all he's he ten- needs is the is a is a white Corvette, a pump jack, and a Miami Vice white jacket. And like Ex- exactly, you know, and you know, re- and sign him, recreate the photo. And I'm just like, man, you are killing OU fans with the Bosworth look. I mean. If he was a number 10 jersey and that's what he wore in high school, and be like, oh, okay, you know, it's all he's all wrapped up with Brent Venables. And that's all, and it's you know, it was Skowski's number or something like 30, whatever Skowski played at. I don't know what Skowski's number was. Uh, can't pull that for life, but let's just say it was 35. Like he's in a 35 jersey. That was Skowski wore, but man, like no OU linebackers wear 44, right? Because they know what it means, right? I mean, if you think about it, I mean, you know. Lofton didn't. Marshall didn't. I mean, nobody's worn 44 at linebacker in forever. And for him to like, you know, say, no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put that mantle of of you know a two-time buckus all of all American, you know, iconic guy. I'm 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 comfortable with all that. And I'm I'm comfortable with OU fans seeing me in that. I was just kind of like, that's a lot of OU history that. He seems cognizant and aware of of a guy who's going to Clemson. <laughs> yeah, but see, I'm the I'm the same way. I, so he's killing wanna... he's killing me with that. I'm like, well, if he just wore myself. if he if he's like number in a number nine jersey, I'd be like, yeah, okay, all right. But like him him like saying, no, I'm going to put on the shroud of of a guy who basically you know was OU football in the eighties. I mean, let's just be, let's just call it what it is. Yeah, no, he wears number one. His high school number is number one. Exactly. You know, so he shows he, up at, and he's hitting and OU puts him in 44. He's wearing 44. And then he tweets out a graphic of Bosworth, you know, with the bandana and the, the short orange mohawk. I think it was probably, <laughs> you know, um, and so it's just, it's uh Matt, he's, he's killing me. And if and the mullet's the final bit, right. He's got the eighties haircut. It's the, it's the, it's the sensational mullet was like the final point. It's just like, man, he's killing, he's killing OU fans with this tease. Well, it's, it'd be almost a perfect fit. And from what I'm gathering here, there, we got three options that could render Peyton Pierce, um, you know, not useless, but we're, we're going to forget about it in a month or two when these guys are back on campus 
Um, maybe we do get some good news on Sammy Brown after that visit, or, um, you know, there, there could always be another linebacker that pops up, but, um, you know, Brent's obviously going all the way across the country. He's got Washington, he's got LA, he's got Georgia. So he's going to find that Mike. And, uh, hopefully I think we all hope it's Sammy Brown, but I think we would definitely take Brown, Platt or Lockhart. Um, or, or, or we could be, we could be really greedy and take two of them and call linebacker, call linebacking recruiting just done. That'd be fantastic. I know Caleb would love that. Um, all right, moving on to the next. Uh, last week, uh, we talked a little bit about Michigan. Uh, we have talking a little Ohio State today. Uh, um, last week, we talked a little bit of Michigan. Uh, they just got a verbal from OU offer offensive tackle Andrew Sprague out of Kansas City. Um, I guess we do have some other more bad news, Chris. What's, what's going on? Well, we mentioned it in the first part of the news. So James Peoples just, you know, verbaled last week to Ohio State. We just lost Peyton Pierce from the Dallas area to Ohio State. So I'm getting a little annoyed with Big Ten programs uh, disrupting our recruiting and taking kids from what I would call OU territory. So uh, I'm a little, I'm, I'm getting a little mad at Ohio State recruiting right now. So uh, I, I, I want us to have a little discussion here about, you know, recruiting and who is annoying you the most in recruiting and who, who, who would you like to see sort of removed from OU's worry list or from kids' visit lists? So I'm referring to this as the, each one of us has the infinity football, like from the, uh, from Marvel's in, uh, Marvel Avengers, the infinity war, and you can, snap a finger like Thanos and you can remove one college football program from complete existence. So obviously I'm expressing my Ohio state hate this week. So Columbus is just gone, which means Jeff Akuda, uh, the safety from Owasso OU lost any number of kids, Travion Henderson, any number of kids would have been back in play for OU. I think, when it gets right down to Ohio State is the most annoying recruiting competitor for OU because they have everything OU has and they have a huge in-state talent pool that no one can really steal from them. And they, and they travel around the country just like OU does, their brand name. And they have a big alumni. They're like LSU and Texas if they both weren't dysfunctional all the time. <laughs> So, because um, they have like a 50,000, they're like 50,000 students. They have a massive alumni association. I used to live in Chicago and their alumni association group was, their watch parties were like massive. They take over like three bars in uh, all over Chicago. So I'm getting rid of Ohio State. You can't choose Ohio State. Caleb, what college are you snapping out of existence? Just their football program. People yeah. can still get, people can still get degrees and, we're not getting rid of their basketball program. We're just getting rid of their football program, just making it disappear and making it seem like it never existed. Let's be honest. Like most of that football programs, you snap your fingers in the South. I mean, you could get a degree from Peacock State and it'd be the same as getting a degree from, you know, <laughs> those, those, uh, the, those universities. You took the one, like, because you can run down a list of guys, Ohio State, dating back to Urban Meyer starting it. Right. And he talked about that, I think, you know, a couple of times on the Fox pregame of we want we want to we want to go into the DFW. 
I would probably go Texas A&M. You know, that's a good one. That's a good one. You know, I would want to say Texas, but you know, I honestly love the uh, the rivalry, the somewhat. It's a respectful hatred, right? You have with, with at least I do with Texas fans. You know, the some of the best bets I've ever won have been off of drunk Texas fans that are you know friends and alumni. So uh, it would be Texas A and M. They've been a thorn in Oklahoma's side randomly for guys here and there, even when Oklahoma was up and just rolling in the early 2000s. A&M, you know, they're, whether it's East Texas kids or a Houston kid here and there, uh, they would snag. And I think I've, I've, we've had this conversation, I think, before. I've always been a little bit surprised when you go back and you really look at some of the some of the great defensive players that Switzer and then even Gibbs had in the early nineties. And you look at where they were from a lot of Houston kids like Barry Switzer did a great job of getting top defensive talent out of Houston. And I think Texas A&M has done a really good job of keeping top defensive talent in Houston from going to Oklahoma. Uh, You know, so I would, I would, I would get rid of the Aggies and nobody would miss them. I mean, any, anybody, Matt, you know it. We both deal with them all the time. I've met t- thousands of their alumni because of like the energy world and like four aren't weird. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah, a and uh, it's it's definitely a special place. I mean, that was 100% my answer. I mean, I don't oh, know. Like, like Chris, like your hate for Ohio State, I mean, I, A&M was absolutely going to be my answer. It's basically my answer for everything that I hate. Um, man, now I got to think about this a little bit. Um, I'll give you one, a suggestion. I'll give you a suggestion. My number two. Well, I, th- I think I've got one, actually. Okay, all right. And this is based on kind of their flashy nature and – also, a little bit of their recent success recruiting the state of Texas. I'm going to go with Oregon. Okay. I feel like okay. maybe maybe they haven't stolen a number one guy on our board at any position uh, that I can think of, but I feel like they've kind of been a little thorn in the side there with some of those second-tier guys in Texas that maybe OU had a really good relationship with Maybe somebody left a recruiting class and we had a spot open up and they just stole a, just stole Aaron flowers. Well, there you go. There's one right there. Aaron flowers, you know, uh, top 100 safety from the DFW area. Um, you know, I, I think Oregon, because they're again, just kind of meddling in Texas a little bit too much, uh, from, from their Pacific Northwest region. Um, so I, I think them just because, you know, it's, again, it's not their native region. It's, 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 they're, they're coming into a state that we should control and they're taking some of those um, outside of flowers, some of those second tier guys that, that would make a difference, I think, over the years. Uh, so I'm going to go with Oregon. I think USC would have been an easy answer just because of everything that's happened. But um, See, I think I Oregon, almost, you know, I almost went with LSU. Just LSU. Nah, that's my that's my second one. Because like yeah. you get rid of LSU, all of a sudden there's like all this talent. I know you could just get like a couple of guys. We don't have to like dominate Louisiana recruiting, right? 
Oh, just, get, yeah. just get like one or two of them. That's it funny. Would be. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking of the kids out of the boot. I was thinking of the success that LSU has had with pretty much, I would say. In Houston, right? Yeah, Houston, East Texas, and the DFW. You know, guys like Jamal yeah. Adams, there was been like a five-star receiver. They've had a decent run. Uh, there was a big, uh, like, top guard out of, uh, like, I think it was South Oak Cliff or uh, – I think it was South Oak Clicker Duncanville that that went. He's I think he's in the NFL now. They just done a pretty good job of, and it's it's you know it's not like hey we're going to go sign ten kids from Texas or twenty kids from Texas. It's hey we're going to go sign three of the top ten kids from Texas. You yeah, they're, they're they're annoying. So yeah, I mean, yeah. can I obviously. change my answer? Who do you want? <laughs> you want you want LSU? LSU sounds like a pretty good one too. <laughs> I plus their I, fans are horrible humans. I, mean, <laughs> I live in Atlanta and like. You know, I wear my OU hat around and I'll be talking to, you know, a bunch of SEC fans and they're just like, don't go to Baton Rouge. It's not worth it. It's just their fans are just they're like, like, hey, you'll enjoy all the road trips. I'm like, hey, I've been to Tuscaloosa before. You know, when OU was in Tuscaloosa, I'm like, yeah, you know, I had a great time. And, and I've been to Florida games and I have Georgia games. And, and everyone's like, just just don't go to Baton Rouge. It's just not worth it. You know what? You, you hit on something. <laughs> Uh, and we could do a pod on this before I'm sure we will before the, you know, Oklahoma officially gets in there. I think every single sec fan base, when Oklahoma shows up for the first time, they're going to be so excited. Like, this is fantastic. You know, you guys know what it's like in Norman when you play Washington or Miami, whatever it was, and all these alums from those schools would come in and you talk to them the night before. And it was like, Oh yeah. 10 years ago when this got scheduled, we all said, Oh, we're going to this game. They're really excited to be there. And they always love Norman. I mean, I, 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 I'm on flights back with them usually. And they're like, we had a great time. Your fans are really nice. I'm like, absolutely. I'm like, I'm like OSU. I'm like, well, you know, that's nice to hear because OSU fans are always accusing Norman of being like the road crew from Deliverance is is, <laughs> is taking care of them. And, and Norman, I'm just like, you know, every other fan base I talk to loves coming to Norman. So maybe this is a you problem, not a not an OU problem. Yeah. And I, so I think every every SEC fan base is going to be so excited because it's just it'll be fun, right? Hey, this is fantastic. Except for LSU. And maybe it's because Oklahoma's played them what two or three times, but when they when Oklahoma goes to, into Baton Rouge, that will mark my words. That will be the one fan base in the SEC that is going to be not inviting. Yeah, it's like my tires got punctured, my windshield got broken, my wife you know, got punched. Yeah, exactly. Something like <laughs> my something kid got something, spit on. Yeah, yeah, something else. Something. Yeah, it stole my dog, my pickup truck, something along those lines. But yeah, it's when you when you talk about programs that you want to remove. You know, it's LSU's definitely, you know, that they're, you know, because they just have so much built in advantages to not suck. And somehow they've found some way to just shoot themselves in the foot so much. So it's just kind of, you know, they're just, they're just annoying on that level, you know, from a, from a certain perspective. I mean, you know, they have some great players, they have some fantastic kids, but it's just, you know, it's just like you, you fall backwards into three five star D line. How do you not winning a title every year? Right. Well, so Chris, Chris takes Ohio State. Caleb takes AM. I take Oregon, LSU, every <laughs> other team in the top 10, usually. Miami. Uh, uh, Miami. <laughs> Anybody. Miami. All right. So uh, for our next segment, um, we are going to do a little. Uh, let's see. Oh, we're doing the ESPN Kuiper versus NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, 
last couple of weeks, we did outside offensive line, interior offensive line. This week, we're going to do a little wide receiver breakdown. Uh, Chris, do you want to kind of get started on your board, uh, which is based on OU's interest and the prospect signability? With talent thrown in, like, okay, if it's e- if those things are equal, I'll go with the talent, the talent side of things. So, but um, I'm going to start with the name we've been talking about, vaulting up the rankings, Brian Wesco, the 6'2", 190-pound wide receiver from Midlothian, uh, Texas. He's going to be a consensus five-star by the time the year's over. He might even pass Micah Hudson as the best ranked wide receiver in Texas. He's number one. Number two is Zion Kearney, the big wide receiver from the Houston area. He's 6'3", maybe he's 200 pounds. He's top 100. He's so smooth. He kind of reminds me of Malcolm Kelly a little bit, where he's just this smooth, big receiver. Um, Then number three, and this is more interest and signability, um, is Isaiah McMorris the uh, talented wide receiver from Nebraska, who's right now a three-star, but I think he's got, I think he's, his talent levels beyond that. He was just in Norman, just went to USC. I think he's maybe going to try and go to Penn state. And by the way, Penn state name is showing up a lot on OU list as well. So don't worry, Nitley Lions. If I got a second snap, it's coming for you at some point. Um, so McMorris, I think is maybe close to maybe, maybe you could pull the trigger faster than anybody else on this list. And then uh, number four, I go with Xavier Jordan, the top 100 wide receiver from Chatsworth, uh, California, which is, I guess, the the wider, greater Los Angeles area. Uh, Very smooth. I think he reminds me of Kenny Stills with maybe a little more top-end speed. And then speaking of speed, I'm going to go next with uh, Kelly KD Daniels, the 5'10", 160-pound super speed receiver. Uh, he's been at camps just dominating folks. His three-star ranking is ridiculous. Uh, Daniels has put out a a uh, commit date recently, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. It's like it's in the May summer, 1st, maybe. May, no, not May first. June first, maybe. June first, yeah. So OU's really in that game. Then Kobe Young, who came up recently, he's also looked really good. He's five eleven, one seventy five. He's again a three-star. I don't. I watch his film. And I don't really understand that. And then a guy I'd have much higher on this list if I thought, oh, you could sign him as Zion Reagans, the five foot nine, 165 pound super speedster uh, from the from Georgia. He's a top 104 star. OU's fighting distance, I think. If he, uh, I think he, you know, distance is the big issue there. And then the name I mentioned before, Nick Marsh from Detroit. Uh, I'd have him higher. I just don't have any idea where OU is with him. Uh, if he visits for the spring game and then has an official gets set, I'd move him up. And then Xavier has a teammate called Quasi Gilmer, also from Chatsworth. He's a top 300 player. He's moving up on rankings. There's some rumblings. He might be the best wide receiver on the West Coast uh, in terms of his class, but be better than Jordan. It's a little bigger. Uh, again, he seems really interested in OU. I'm just not sure OU is going to sign two kids from the uh, from the same from the same high school, two wide receivers from the same high school. So that's kind of have them broken up. Really, Wesco and Kearney. I hope full one two, and then it's is it three wide receivers or is it four wide receivers? And if it's three, who grabs the chair? Who grabs the who grabs it first? And then it, depending on how things shake out, can you really turn away someone like Nick Marsh or uh, or Xavier Jordan? Yeah, that's a that's a really good list. I, I don't 
disagree. I, I'm interested to see. I think you're. We talked on this last week. The uh, three or four probably probably comes down to the NCAA, right? <laughs> in some ways, and what they decide to do. Uh, and I which, talked about that in my five thoughts this week. I gave you credit for you know bringing that topic up. I, 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 I for some reason I feel like they're going to do the right thing. Uh, I yeah, think I think they, just, they will. I think they will too. I think they see that there's enough coaches, you know, yes, uh, Alabama and Georgia aren't making noise, but 125 other programs effectively will, or a hundred, right. Come in and say, like, yeah, hey, yeah, we, yeah, we can't, we can't have a team effectively if you don't let us sign more. Uh, so I gave you my rundown. I, I'm, I do want to like, so I repeat myself over and over. Like I have a, a couple of lines, uh, Ned has pointed out, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I will say, uh, you know, again, there's some bias in here in my thoughts just on whether it's what I kind of prefer uh, and then some of the fit within Oklahoma's offense uh, and maybe, in my opinion, fit with, you know, the way the game is played today, uh, right? So keep keep that in mind. And I, I know you're going to disagree some of the back end. And I'll, so I'll add the other, the other caveat to all of this is when I get to the back end, it's uh, it's really difficult. It for me, it was, and it was, uh, you know, the last four probably it was zero. Really cutting hairs here, right? Really, really splicing hairs. But you know, yeah. dive in. I had I have Zion Kearney number one. Uh, for me, he's you know six two and a half, six three, one hundred ninety five pounds. And when you look at him on the hoof, he's one of the most impressive guys in the entire country. He looks great. Uh, he looks great. He looks like, uh, you know, I can't recall those two, you know, probably not to that level, right? The uh, A.J. Brown and then what is the guy that's with the the uh, Seahawks that is DK Metcalf. Metcalf. But he's, I mean, he is, you know, if he decided to <laughs> to take deer antler spray like D.K. Metcalf in college, <laughs> he would probably get, you know, 220 plus. But he's just he's an unbelievably impressive guy physically, you know. And as you mentioned, you know, uh, Chris, like he is explosive, but he's explosive and just he's really smooth with his. You know, he's not probably one of the things you'd say with DK Metcalf is he's very. Uh, is looks a little choppy, right? It looks a little, very little stiff. A little, it looks stiff. a little stiff. It's stiff, so you see some violence in with that twitch. Uh, Zion's not that way, you know. But you know, at that six three, and he's probably going to be in that 210, 215 pound, you know, muscled up range. A lot of what Oklahoma does with the slants, uh, you know, with the deep balls, uh, with just a lot of those deep choice routes, right? You get him and a defensive back one-on-one, you know, again, like on, on any of those, you know, in those, uh, you know, deep to intermediate balls, if he, he catches it, it's going to be a difficult time for your average size defensive back to just tackle him in space. And he's, you know, I remember years ago is that you had that when, when Baylor was rolling uh, and everyone remembers the game, right. When it was Oklahoma was trying to play off coverage, because if we get up close to these guys, they're either going to, they're going to run by us. Right. Uh, if we, we've got to try to play off and, and tackle them in space. And it was, gosh, we can't actually tackle them without them getting an additional three or four yards. And it was second and eight, you know, Baylor going right down the field, just throwing hitches and outs. Uh, he's probably he's, the worst game I've ever been to. In my yeah. My dad is the last one he went to and said he'd never go back. <laughs> 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 so brutal brutal experience yeah <laughs> I, I hate to bring that up uh 
You know, so number two for me would be Bryant Wesco. Uh, and I, honestly, the the physical difference in development is is why I have Kearney in front of Wesco. Wesco, 6'2", like listed at 180, some sites at 170. He's really long and lean, has a ton of room to grow and, and, and fill out. But he's, you know, he's explosive, uh, got an amazing catch radius, go get the ball. And you know, extremely smooth. He, uh, I think, that's a sign of really good players that they do really difficult things, and it all looks really easy. You know, I don't want to say that Wesco is CD Land, but CD was that way, where CD would do things that were was really special. You know, he really looks back at that Texas game, and to him, it, it looked really easy. You know, and it, it obviously wasn't, uh, but you know, Wesco's kind of cut in that cloth. Um, you know, next one I've got there was uh, Xavier Jordan, you know, the kid out of Louisiana that's probably going to land, land at LSU. Uh, he's, well, he's, he's from Cali. Oh, you got, sorry, you got Xavier I'm sorry, Jordan's I'm from sorry. Cali. I'm thinking of Kobe Young. Xavier, you got Jordan. the next guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no. yeah, yeah so, yeah. next one, Xavier Jordan. No, so, I mean, uh, honestly, I, I think he and Wesco are really similar in, in their game. Right. There's a lot of that just really smooth, always making competitive plays. Uh, you don't think, oh, he doesn't look that fast or he doesn't have track times or that fast, but he's, he keeps running by folks. Right. Uh, he keeps getting on top of every DB. And, and I, I mentioned this when we kind of broke him down. I, he's whether it's some of the coaching he's had or just a very natural feel for it. He has is the knack for creating space and separation from defensive backs on you name the route, right? You see that all the time where you're watching a game and like Dan Orlovsky, you know, does a great job and he'll point it out like, ah, oh, you're the receiver. You've got to run the quarterback open. You know, got to run open here, right? You've got a deep ball down the field. You've got to work to the middle of the field. You've got to do something to give this quarterback you know, an area to throw the ball to because the DB's in phase on your hit, but he, he can't make a play here. Uh, Xavier Jordan, you watch him and like, he just does all that kind of stuff naturally. He's, he's a fantastic player. Um, you know, so yeah, next was Louisiana kid, Kobe, Kobe Young. Uh, he's, you know, I, I look at him and I see kind of like a lot of what Ohio State has had the last few years with uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the the kid from the is with the uh, Jets now that was out of Lake Travis, you know, in that six foot, six foot one, going to be 190 pounds, muscled up, amazing uh, short area quickness, great burst, but can really run vertically. You know, those guys. I've always thought that has been, and Damon could, DMAC could, could tell me I'm wrong here. Uh, you mean uh, Garrett Wilson? Garrett Wilson? Garrett Wilson, yeah. But I, I've always felt that so much of, it's been my experience, right? Uh, from some of the receiver coaches have been around, that the receiver's ability to create separation is really in their ability to get geared up, full tilt, quickly gear down, and then, it, and then just as quickly get back up to full speed, right? So, to get up full tilt, get the DB to, to turn, now gear back down, and you've got to be able to make a cut and then accelerate out of that break is where you're going to create your create your separation. And you watch a guy like Kobe Young, does it, does it over and over. Uh, next for me is, is, I, is Isaiah McMorris, and it's really because it's kind of in that same mold. Uh, you know, Isaiah McMorris, extremely, he's in that six-foot, 175-pound range, same type of guy, uh, just that – Type of guy you're going to be able to plug in, play inside, play outside, runs extremely well, fantastic after the catch. And I think we all saw last year 
and I've mentioned this, you know, even the receiver breakdown, I think that was something Oklahoma missed dearly last year for, for 20 years we got spoiled of having guys, whether it was Mark Clayton or Sterling Shepard or, you know, Ryan Borles or whomever it was that, hey, it's crunch time. We need a first down. We need to play. We need some yards. And you could throw a short ball to, and they make the first DB miss, and they, you know, they make a big play after the catch. You know, so McMorris is, is that type of guy. And from here is where I really struggled. Uh, I put Nick Marsh <laughs> – I put Nick Marsh next – there's so many, so much variation in what you see on his size, uh, and his film is limited from what his high school does. But on film, you do see a really big kid that's anywhere from you know six three to six four, anywhere from 180 to maybe 195 pounds. He looks twitched up. He looks like he's got you know that type of a body type, but you know he, you know got you know uh, doesn't carry a lot of fat, uh, lean guy, and you know you. I see that on film because you do see a kid that in some of his stuff, you know, uh, again, it's limited. So you don't see a lot of it. You see a guy that can get to his top gear really quick and then gear down. Uh, and so, and then he's at six, three, let's say 190 pounds. That's, that's impressive, right? That's, uh, what you're going to look for, uh, in a, in a bigger target, and it kind of leads me to why I have Zion Reagan's next. I think when I look at it, right, like what you see, there tends to be, not, there's not a lot of receivers. Like Hollywood Brown is about it. Maybe a couple other guys when you start getting like below five foot 10. And when you start getting below 165 pounds or 100, you know, and you're in that 150, 150 to 155 pound range, it's just super rare. Like you do, like even if you are amazingly fast, it's just rare that you know, you uh, are, are able to have a huge impact as you get to the college game because suddenly all the DBs are really fast and the linebackers are really fast. So the amount of space you play in just from a general perspective is, is has shrunk. And then the guys who can catch you with angles turn into just about everybody on the back end. Uh, but but Reagan's is who I had next. Uh, he He looks almost like a Hollywood clone. When you watch his high school film, like physically, he looks like that. He's he's lean, he's small, but man, that kid uh, will get the ball end around reverses, short game, uh, and he just runs away from people. And he runs away from people, kind of what we mentioned or mentioned with you know Bryant Westco doing things that are difficult and making them look easy. He runs away from guys. Uh, and it looks like he's just out for a Sunday stroll and he's pulling away from fast athletes. So, you know, he's, 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 he's a really good player. Uh, next was, was quasi Gilmer. Uh, I really liked him. I struggled with, you know, trying to put him higher, but I, I, I couldn't, uh, you know, because of his size at six, two, six, three, 180, 185 pounds, smooth can, can do everything, you know, uh, yeah, but I, you know, I settled with Reagan's speed, uh, you know, Gilmer is, you know, in the same mold as you, as an Xavier Jordan, right. Or, or as a Bryant Westco in some regard, I don't think he's as, he's not as twitchy, uh, you know, or maybe as smooth, but, uh, he's just that notch below and kind of cut from that, from that same cloth, uh, you know, and the last one is, was, uh, Kelly or, or Katie Daniels. 
And I'll be honest with you, the reason he fell on the last one, he, the reason he was last on my list is because his list of weight is 151 pounds. Like that, <laughs> and that was it. Because you even see him put him in the backfield some and put him at running back, and you see him breaking tackles. He's speed for days, uh, quick, twitchy, out of breaks, runs by folks. Uh, you know, there, there's not any of these guys that are that are, you know, bad players. And if I'm being honest with myself, I, I the limited film on Marsh, you know, I probably would have a few of these guys in front of them. It's just the size for me. And it just goes back to like, when I look at comps, it's, it's rare that you see guys that are, you know, 5'10 below or below 5'10 and, and 151 and 157 pounds, you know, and I know those kids will get bigger. I know they'll get bigger and stronger and, and those weights may be incorrect, but you know, they've, they've definitely got elite speed. So it seems like the the main player that you guys disagree on the most would probably be KD Daniels. Uh, Chris, you had him up at five. Caleb, you doubt, had him down at the list at nine. You can um, think rivals for that. I, I pulled my weights off rivals and it showed 151. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, that's really light. It's very well, light. I, I, well, and I have him higher because I think he could he could grab an OU spot before some other kids do. So and it's interesting, you know, Caleb, it's kind of weird that there's this stark range of sizes, right? That we've got like this sort of cluster of five nine, five ten speedsters. And then we've got like these six three, you know, and then we got a bunch of kids who are six three, you're gonna be two hundred pounds when they go to college. It's like if they're not already two hundred pounds, they're gonna be two hundred pounds. I mean, Wesco and and Gilmer are gonna, you know, they'll put on 15, 20 pounds in college. You know, to your point, Kearney could be 215 without blinking. Um, same thing with Nick Marsh. It's, it's, don't you, I find it interesting. It's just, there's such a deviation between the groups and with what, and what we've seen from the, from the offense so far, it doesn't really tell us which body type is best. Yeah. No, it's, it's, and honestly, I've, I've, uh, when doing the receiver, uh, preview i pulled and looked at essentially every offense that jeff levy has coached on and i to see like you know, i think someone asked this in one of the media sessions do you want a thousand yard receiver and you look at it every year he's been a, every year that he's been a position coach a team that he has coached whether it was he was recruiting coordinator and running backs coach or he was the offensive coordinator and qb's coach they've had a thousand yard receiver except one and it was like, you know, 899. It was just, you know, about 100 yards shy of it. Uh, and to your point, though, uh, some of those guys were five foot 10 and 190 pounds, like a KD Cannon, and others were, you know, six foot three and 220 pounds. Was I, Josh, was Josh Gordon, was he, was he there with Josh he was, Gordon? He, yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah, he was. Who's what, 6'3", uh, 220, right? I mean, 6'3", 220, 200-meter yeah. champ. I don't know if he's 200-meter champion, but he was a, a very, very good 200-meter guy in high school. I can remember uh, the school I was at at the time. Nobody was recruiting him, and they were like, I think we should recruit him. And I was like, yeah, you, we could, but it won't be for very long because somebody's going to figure that out, <laughs> you know? Uh but yeah, no, he's, I mean, I, I do wonder, and you hear people talk about this a lot uh, and it's shifted a little bit where coaches look at, Hey, I want to build my receiver core because it's gone so spread 
right? It's so spread heavy and it's no longer, hey, we're going to have two receivers and one tight end and a fullback or two tight ends, two receivers. They're just playing more receivers. It feels like they use a little bit of the basketball approach. Like, hey, we need to have a point guard. We need to have a small forward. We, you know, we don't have these different body types. And I think it fits, you know, with, in my mind, with Jeff Levy's offense where, hey, it wants so badly speed to stretch the field vertically. And then when you're able to stretch the field vertically, you can work some things underneath, right? Because you've now added additional space and you're able to kind of peel, peel the shell back of a defense a bit. You know, you can also, with, with those really wide receiver splits, you get some width to them and you can get some of these in – it's a pick your poison to some regard. If you get a, you know, guys like a, like a Kearney, that's a good after the catch. And he's that big, you know, you work them underneath or over the top and you're still working them in space versus small DBs. So I, I think I can, I can see, you know, uh, what they're doing, but I, do, I will say, you know, you don't really see them recruiting small receivers that are not, absolute blazers burners yeah it's like you've got to be able to absolutely run you are not going to recruit a uh a wes welker and that's not i think you know wes might be in the hall of fame someday but it's just not how they utilize those types of guys in in their offense yeah we got so used to kind of the ryan broyles mark clayton sterling shepherd kind of slot guy dominates gets them gets the most gets the gets the majority of the of the looks that it looks like levy systems a little different than that. And it could be that, you know, it could be, it, it could be Jaleel Farouk this year, or, you know, there's, there's some buzz about Nick Anderson or maybe even Andrew Anthony. So, um, Emmett Jones has a, has, is seems to be doing a good job. We got a lot of, got a lot of good names, a lot of good players. Nobody on this, I didn't see anybody on film. I'm like, yeah, why don't you offer that guy? Um, no, yeah, that's that's a, that's a really good point. You know? I mean, McMorris, I was like, why are we offering this Nebraska kid? I look at his film, I'm like, that kid makes plays after the catch yeah. all day. Um, like, and why is he a three star? What's 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 okay? Um, and he just ran a 10 9 100 meters, so he doesn't have elite speed, but he's working on really good speed. I mean, you know, that's we sometimes get you know over the top with speed sometimes, but you know, he's he's he's. He's not some, you know, plow horse. I mean, he's running a 10, 900 meters. That's, that's speed there. Oh, no. So, I mean, yeah. Like that's, that's, you know, uh, like some of these guys like uh, Caden Durham that are, I mean, those are legitimate if you're running, you know. Yeah, that, those are, that's insanely fast. That's insanely. That's, those are guys that, you know, uh, were like DeBrian Blanton and Dorian McCullough in high school yeah. that were going to Texas and Oklahoma and they were going to play football, but it was, you know, we're playing football, we're running track and we want to go to the Olympics. That's the kind of speed he's got. I mean, yeah. I mean, for, for guys like, uh, you know, uh, McMorris, right. That they just take track because the football coach wants them to. And it's not something that, you know, they don't have a track coach. This isn't a big time for them, you know, uh, for those guys to go out and be able to run, you know, basically just, you know, uh, go to some practices and kind of goof off. And I go to, I go to a meet run 10, nine as a junior. And then maybe as a senior, yeah, I'm running 10, seven, right. Or maybe 10, eight sometime my junior year, run 10, seven. And I was just doing it just because I didn't want to stay in shape. That's fan. That's unbelievably good speed. All right, guys. Uh, great discussion on wide receiver there. Chris, do you know what position we're planning on maybe doing next episode? 
I think it's time to delve into running backs. We kind of did a lot of running back discussion a couple of months ago. So I think it's time to kind of go back into the, uh, into the running back group. That'll be a fun one. Uh, Cause I'm curious on like, there's this odd guy that's been floating out there. I don't know if he'll show up to campus or where Oklahoma's interest, but you know, Taylor Tatum there for a while. It was, it looked like Ohio state might get him. And then it was, you know, he started getting crystal balls to Michigan. uh, And then both those schools have their running backs. I know he visited Georgia. uh, And they have a running back already too. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 that's an odd one. You know, he's still, he, I've seen in interviews where he said, you know, he's going to visit Oklahoma. Uh, That's it's a, it's an interesting guy. I mean, sometimes uh, there are certain positions when these schools offer, you know, things, things fill up. All right. So we'll get to running back next week. Uh, And of course, great episode as usual, guys, Uh, lots of info. Uh, Always head over to Sooners360.com to see some discussion on all these players that we're talking about. Uh, We're going to have a spring game visit list up soon. And uh, that is next Saturday. So uh, next week we'll dive into a little bit more of, Uh, who's visiting for that and uh, again as another reminder make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to the show on your favorite platform of choice Uh, again we are on Spotify Apple Stitcher etc and soon to be on YouTube and we will see everybody around the water cooler thanks for listening You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.